Now, if you have your Bible, your electronic device, turn with me to Matthew chapter 2 and then stand to your feet if you would for the reading of God's Word. Matthew chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently, what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy as the Lord has directed me today. I want to talk about stars in our lives. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you. Thank you for the word of the living God. And as we visit and revisit a very familiar passage of scripture, entering this great season of the divine incarnation, may the word of God come alive in our spirit and in our heart. May souls be ministered to May lives be changed. May the Word of God make an impact in a dramatic way. We give all glory and honor and praise to you for these things. In Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I never tire of the Christmas story. I've heard it all my life. And every year it's fresh. Every year it's inspirational. It never, ever gets old. While we celebrate the resurrection and we reflect upon the crucifixion, none of that would have happened without the divine incarnation. And there is so much to be fascinated with in the Christmas story so many miracles that take place. To name a few, a virgin having never known a man, being impregnated with the Son of God through the work of the Holy Spirit. To a city, the least of the cities, amongst the thousands of the cities in the great and vast land of Judah. A city by the name of Bethlehem, known for its shepherds and outcast, and yet it was the promised and the actual place of birth of the Messiah. Some would have called that extreme coincidence, 
I call it miraculous. And by the plan of God from Micah chapter 5, verse 2, hundreds of years earlier, it was prophesied. And it was brought to pass. Two angels appearing to lowly shepherds as they watched their sheep by night, filling the heavens with the sounds of good news that peace has come on the earth through the Christ child. Again, the signs and the miracles are numerous, as I have just named just a few. But to be clear, your pastor's favorite miracle of the Christmas story, for some reason, has always been the star. I personally like the stars of God, or should I say I like the stars that God chooses. First thing I want to tell you today is that you must never forget that God is your creator and God is your sustainer. We say it often, we don't say it, and we don't reflect upon it often enough. And yet, while God has created each and every one of us, and while God sustains each and every one of us, God that we serve controls the stars that are in the nighttime sky. I read in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 16, a scripture says, And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. And it says, He made the stars also. In Job chapter 9 and verse 9, it says that God made Arcturus and Orion and Plades and the chambers of the south. Verse 10 tells us that those stars are called wonders without number. I, I have said this before. You've heard me say it. I said it recently. I love nighttime prayer walks. I love to walk out in my uh, neighborhood, in my community in the nighttime, and I love to look up and see the stars by the hundreds against the black velvet backdrop of the nighttime sky. I, I remember, I used to as a child, and, and some folks today wouldn't know, even know what this term means, but a lot of you will relate to this, but I remember as a child, I would be fascinated as I sat in that great big round room called the planetarium. And we would watch as they would bring all the lights down and meteors would fly and shoot across the sky of that room. And I would be zeroed in on the instructor as he would draw lines from one star uh, to another star. And he would identify one as the Big Dipper and he would identify the other as the Little Dipper. And there would be one called the Great Bear. And then there would be another called Orion's Belt. And I always thought that those names was their idea. And that those names came from somebody else. But I learned differently when I read in the book of Job that God had created those configurations and constellations thousands of years earlier. In fact, not only did God create the stars, but the Bible says that he numbered the stars. He knows exactly how many, how many stars there are in the universe of universe and galaxies of galaxies and when you leave one solar system and go into another, God still has them all numbered. So he created them and he numbered them, but he also named them. And not only did he name them, but he gave them individual assignments. You thought they were just for our enjoyment. But if you go to the Bible, you can find out that stars in the past have had assignments. Psalms 147 and 4 says he tells the number 
number of the stars, and he calls them by their names. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it tells us that one star differs from another star in glory. In other words, they're so unique in their design, just like you and I are unique in our design, different from each other. And yet I read in the Bible that stars had assignments. They had jobs that they had to do. If you go to Judges chapter 5, you will read about a song that was sung. And in the song, this, these words are, are, are sung. It says, the stars in their courses fought against Sisera. Sisera was the enemy of God's people. And yet the Bible says in the song of Judges that the stars in their courses fought against the enemy. In Joshua chapter 19, you read that the sun, which is a star, mind you, it stood still one day. It stayed uh, up in the sky longer than it normally would have or should have. And the reason for it is because God needed to give his people more daylight to discomfit and defeat of the enemy. A star was controlled by God. The sun in our sky stood still so that Joshua would could defeat his enemies. In the book of Job, again, you read that the morning stars, they sang unto the Lord. So you had stars that fought and stars that stood still for longer times and shone longer. And you, you read in Job that the morning stars sang. But can I tell you today, there was a special star and it had a special assignment. I'm often taken to Psalms chapter 8, verse 3 and 4. It almost overwhelms me every time I quote it to myself or pray it out loud on my prayer walk. The psalmist wrote these words, and this is what he said. He said, when I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that you are even mindful of him, and the son of man that you would even bother to visit him? I want to tell you, someone in the house today, Jesus is mindful of you personally. Jesus wants to come and visit you personally. And can I just tell you, when he put the sun in your sky this morning, he was mindful of you. When he puts the moon, the lesser light in your sky tonight, he will be mindful of you. I understand that we might be entering into a little bit of a drought, but I also understand that this week, he's going to bring refreshing showers and he's doing it just for you. Oh, somebody ought to say amen. When he stretches the rainbow over the sky, putting a boundary on the fountains of the deep and a boundary on how much flows out of the windows of heaven, he is restating a promise to you and I personally. And I want to tell you when those millions of stars twinkle at me on a chilly evening while I'm taking my walk with Jesus, I am reminded that every one of them are there for my awe and for my enjoyment. I want to say to, let me just stop here and say thank God for his creation. Thank God that when the sun rises in the east tomorrow morning, it will be because God loves me. Thank God for when the 
the moon shines tonight, it will be because God loves me. Thank God for every one of those twinkling stars across the black velvet backdrop of the nighttime southwest Virginia sky, and every one of them are telling me how much God loves me and created this world for me to enjoy. Well, praise the Lord. But one night, one night recognizing our need for a Savior. I'm telling you, I believe this with all of my heart, and I believe I can back it up with research. One night recognizing our need for a Savior, God went back to his creative abilities, and I believe he formed, and I believe he constructed a brand new star. It was a star with a special purpose. We know it wasn't a fixed star because it was moving. We know it wasn't a planet because it was too near the earth. We know it wasn't a meteor for it blazed too steadily. I've been fascinated by this star for many, many years and I've done the research and I've listened to varying opinions from different astronomers about the star on that night. Some say it was an alignment of the planets Saturn and Jupiter. Some say it was a rising star and they've named it serious. I heard one theory that it was the alignment of already existing constellations, maybe displaying some kind of special effect. The opinions, the varying opinions go on and on, but I came across this one, and I like this one the best. One opinion was, astronomy cannot satisfy, so the appearance must have been miraculous. You think? You think? Is it just possible that the uh, appearance of one star that had never been there before, hadn't been there since, was there for one divine purpose. I began to process and wonder, DJ, what would the name of that star have been? If God numbers all the stars and God names all the stars, and I guarantee you he had a name for this star. It wasn't just a coincidental star, and I got a feeling by the time it was done, like they do in professional sports, he probably retired the star's number and hung it up in the banister of heaven around the concourse of glory. But one thing is for sure, he named it. Well, what did he name it, preacher? I say he might have named it joy. After all, when you experience joy, when you experience Jesus, it's joy, unspeakable and full of glory. Oh, maybe he named it peace. Why is that? Because when that, when the Savior came from that, he came to bring peace on the earth and goodwill toward men. Maybe he named it new life for any man that is in Christ is a new creature. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. Maybe he named it hope because the world was going to hell in a handbasket. But God said, I'm going to put a star out there and lets mankind know I love them and I can save them and set them free. I don't know what he named it, but I sure am glad that he put it up there for you and I. Well, praise the Lord. What was its purpose? Its purpose wasn't to sing like other stars. It wasn't to fight like other stars. It wasn't to stand still so an army would have extended daylight. This star had one purpose. 
And that was to bring attention, to shine upon, to illuminate that one star was our guide to the Messiah. The stars you hear about today are all about getting attention and keeping attention upon themselves. There was a time that athletes just played their sport and kept their mouth shut. <sighs> but their stardom in their athletics isn't enough anymore. They got to stick their big toe in the middle of the political scene. There was a time that actors and actresses just did exactly that and were good at it. Not anymore. They have to stick their nose right in the middle of everything that's going on, don't they? And sometimes I sit back and I chuckle because they ain't near as influential as they think they are. That's truth. But this God-created, God-ordained, and God-inspired star was not to bring attention to itself, but to let us know the good news that the Savior, the Deliverer, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, that star said, you follow me, I will lead you to him. <coughs> but it doesn't end there. That star wasn't good enough for the three wise men. These Gentile astronomers. And that's why when they came to Jerusalem, they didn't say, tell us if there is a Messiah. But they said, where is he that's born king of the Jews? <coughs> why? Because we have seen his star in the east. And have come to worship him. You stay with me. <coughs> the star of the king wasn't enough. They wanted to see the king of the star. They didn't have witnessing. They didn't have preaching, teaching, or singing. They didn't have angels appear in the sky. They simply had a star, but a star was all they needed. <coughs> Think about this. As far as I know, everyone in this room are Gentiles. As far as I know, there's not a Jewish person among us. Our ancestors... They scoffed at those Jewish prophets. They made fun of them. They persecuted them. They neglected 
God's grace. Our forefathers didn't want to hear anything about a Messiah. So what did God do to get our attention? He created a star. He created a star. For 4,000 years, he hadn't created stars. But he said, you know, those Gentiles, they're not listening to my prophets. But I still love them. Oh, how he loves us so. That when we wouldn't hear what the Jewish prophets had to say, he went back to his creative posture. Verse 2 tells us the star led them to hear the word. They, the star led them to hear the word. And then verse 9 in that same chapter tells us that the star led them to confirm the word. Hear the word and then to confirm the word. Now you're looking at a star today. That's right. I'm not a rock star. I wasn't born a star. And you certainly ain't going to see me on Dancing with the Stars. But I'm a star. In fact, you're, you're sitting in a room filled with stars. Man has a definition of what a star is, and then God has a definition of what a star is. If you go with God's definition of what a star is, it's exactly the opposite of what we define a star as. There are no heroes in the kingdom of God. There's only one king, one savior, one Lord. There's no such thing as stars in Christianity that bring attention to themselves. That's truth. The world says a star is someone who performs or sings or acts in such a way that brings a platform to them, but that's not the star that God defines. I believe the Lord's definition of a star is not just found in Matthew chapter 2. I believe you can find God's definition of a star in John chapter 4, where a woman sits at the Samaritan well. She meets Jesus. He tells her she can have water of eternal life. She runs back to town, tells the whole town, come see a man that has told me all things which I have ever done. Can this not be the Christ? Is this not the Messiah? That's a star in God's book. It's an Andrew who meets Jesus and then he goes and finds his brother Peter and says, I want you to come meet Jesus. And Jesus and Peter have an encounter that transforms his life. It's a Philip who finds Nathaniel and, and, and Nathaniel responds cynic with cynicism and says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip doesn't even bother to argue with him. He says, why don't you just come and see? Why don't you just come and experience him for yourself? 
I'm telling you what a star is. A star is a, a man by the name of John the Baptist who deflected attention by saying, I must decrease and he must increase. I am not the Messiah, but there is one coming after me whose shoes I can't. I'm not even worthy to bend down and unloose. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. That's a star in God's dictionary. A star in God's dictionary is Stephen and the book of Acts when they're pelting him with rocks and stones and boulders he's not pouting about getting ready to die oh no he's got his eyes fixed on glory and he said I see Jesus standing at the father's right hand lay not this sin at their charge in other words even in his dying breath he was a star of God because he brought attention to the son of the living God Jesus Christ that that's a star of the Lord. Oh, Lord, help me. Mark Heil wrote, if God can put a star in the heavens and guide pagan astrologers hundreds of miles to the specific house where Jesus was, he can surely get you and I where he wants us to be. <laughs> Sinner friend, unbeliever, there are some stars in your life that brought you into his presence today. That's a star of a friend that invited you to church. They're a star in God's eyes. That star of a child, that, that little child that says, hey, I want you to come, granddaddy, and hear me in the children's program. That's a star in God's eyes. That star of a preacher with no pretense except to preach to you today that Jesus is still the only way to find peace on this earth. Even if the world is crashing down around you. There's another star that's burning brightly this morning. He's called the Holy Spirit. In John 16, Jesus talked about this star, and this is what he said. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And will guide you into all truth. For the Holy Spirit shall not speak of himself. The Holy Spirit will glorify me, said Jesus. That's a star. Brother Taylor, that's a divine star. The Holy Ghost from heaven. You thought you were just coming to church for another service. But now the Word of God and the Spirit of God have captured your attention. And you find yourself taking inventory of your own heart. You're discovering as you sit here that you need peace. That you need purity. But most of all, you're in need of the one named Jesus who for, can forgive you of your sins and set you free from the bondage 
that you are in. The stars are out today. The stars are out today to tell you that Jesus loves you. But you know, I'm convinced. Research proves it. There's no other record of that star mentioned. I'm convinced that when that star's job was done, God pulled it gently out of its socket and tucked it away. Because it had done the greatest work that could ever be done. And I want you to hear me. The Holy Spirit will not always shine. There will come a day when the star of the third person of the triune Godhead, the sweet Holy Spirit, that's pointing you to Jesus now, that His work will be done. And the light will go out. Aren't you tired of running, living such a restless life? Holy Spirit is tugging at your heart even now. Even now, the Holy Spirit is saying, today is the day of your salvation. Today is the day. What's on your Christmas list? What is it going to be? I thought we were going to do cartwheels in our house the other day because Kindles were half off through Amazon. What's on your list? Can there be anything more precious than the gift of eternal life? It's priceless. It's eternal, and if I didn't get one more gift on this Christmas or any other Christmas in the future, I have the greatest gift inside of me that's ever been granted. And it came because I heard a preacher and I heard a song. It came because I had parents that taught me live the life in front of me. It came because there were so many different stars. But ultimately it came because the Holy Spirit was shining one day and I happened to look up and saw that that star is different than the rest of them out there. <laughs> and he was illuminating Jesus and he was illuminating my need for Jesus. You know, there's just some defining moments. They stay with us forever. You've heard this, and this being the 20th year, this past September, we all know 
those of us who are old enough know where we were at that time on 845 that Tuesday morning, 9-11-2001. The tragedy was the tragedy was something else. We all know that, but the, the ramifications eternally that morning really they, they really have stayed with me because I was in a room with about a hundred people and we were at a prayer summit. People suddenly were anxious and fearful and started running out, calling their loved ones on the phone and checking in and having lived, we were living in Northern Virginia at the time, or close to Northern Virginia, and so obviously, you know, there was just a lot. People were just, they, in fact, they cut it short. They cut the prayer summit short and everybody kind of went their own way, went back home to their family. But there was a defining moment that day that got me as much as the tragedy itself. I'll never forget it. It was a young, I guess she probably was upper 20-something, African-American girl that was in the prayer summit with us. I didn't really notice her rush out of the room. But after a little while, we came back together after we'd made our phone calls, and everybody's really anxious and nervous and upset. And Before Doug Small closed out that day, I'll never forget what she said. She said, I was in New York City this past weekend visiting a very close friend of mine. And while I was there, the Holy Spirit kept dealing with me about witnessing to her. I came and I went. I went and I came back. And I, I did not share with her her need for Christ. She worked in one of the towers. So when I heard the news, and it was the first one that had fallen, I believe that was number two, I can't remember for sure, but anyway, it was the first one that had fallen because as soon as she had run out of the room, she dialed her friend's number on that Tuesday morning and her friend with a coarse and hoarse voice answered the phone. And she said, I called out sick today. But I'll never forget the brokenness in her as I sat across the room from her. I'll never forget my responsibility to be a star in someone's life. I'll never forget how God grabbed me that day and said, while you have breath, you better shine and illuminate people to the love of my son. As the music plays softly, let me ask you to close your eyes. Will you allow me to be a star in your life today? Say, Pastor, I don't even know how to pray to get saved. How do you do it? It's, it's, it's very simple. You simply say, Jesus, I believe in my heart that what you did on the cross was for me. You confess with your mouth to him, not to a priest, 
He is your priest. You simply say, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. Hear me, friend. The Holy Spirit shines today, but He won't shine forever. Just like that star in the in the sky that night. One day the Holy Spirit will have finished His work. And then at that time there will, there will be no, no drawing, no tugging. There will be no appeal from heaven. I believe it's sooner than later, to be honest with you. I believe that at any time, at any time, the Holy Spirit's work's going to be done. While every head's bowed and every eye's closed, no one looking around. You say, preacher, things are just not real good between me and Jesus. I'm nowhere near I, where I need to be with him. I'm not even sure if he called me today if I'd be ready to go. I'm not sure if, the, if Jesus came back to rapture the church that I would go. But I do know, <laughs> I do know that the Holy Spirit is tugging at my heart. And while no one's looking around, please be respectful, reverent. You just lift your hand and you say, Preacher, I need prayer. I need prayer. Would you do that right now? Would you just lift your hand? I promise I won't embarrass you. Anyone? Just lift that hand. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate those hands. Anyone else? Three or four hands have already gone up. Anyone else? God bless that hand. Thank you. Thank you for being honest. Anyone else? I'm going to invite you to come if you'd like to, to pray. We'll meet you here. We'll pray with you. We'll help you experience Jesus. It's a matter of believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead and confessing with your mouth the Lord Jesus. And you shall be saved. Is there anyone that would like to leave from where they are and just come?
Sing it with us now. 